everybody, and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered Franchising, powered by Scott Milas, FranchiseCoach.com. I am your host, Scotty Milas. All Things Considered Franchising is a podcast channel dedicated to the entrepreneur, people researching and exploring business ownership, and would like to get some information on franchising or business ownership in general. All Things Considered Franchising is uh, all on is is uploaded on all of your local uh, podcast channels. ScottMilasFranchiseCoach.com is a consulting organization that I founded many, many years ago that provides guidance, education, and counseling for people who are interested in exploring business ownership and matching up potential franchises or outside businesses that would be a best fit. Services that we provide are absolutely at no cost to the client. We are compensated by over 600 businesses that we represent. Today's guest is probably one of my favorite people to be working with in line with that whole brand one family. Uh, please welcome Sarah Van Acken to the show. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, I've been waiting patiently to get you on the show. You've had a very, very busy summer. Um, but uh, it, it sounds like you've uh, kind of settled in a little bit. Uh, as you said, you've moved west, as they say. And uh, just wanted to circle in. Um, you have a unique background. Uh, you, you have a consultation-type background working with people. Uh, you've been now with uh, Brand One, who is a leader FSO, franchise sales organization, with multiple franchises, brands in the portfolio. Tell us about your journey, about what attracted you to franchising, and you know how did you end up with Brand One? Yeah, uh, it's it's a great question. I feel really lucky to be with Brand One. I, there's uh, a really a group of of the best and and uh, most integrity driven folks in franchising. But I sort of fell into franchising. To be honest, um, I've been an entrepreneur most of my career. I started really as an operator, so. Um, started, grown, and, and exited a couple of businesses from a real estate brokerage, a fashion and manufacturing business, a social network. I'd then gone in-house as the president of a design firm where our core business was greeting cards, of all things. We sold about wow. 125,000 greeting cards every day. And I was really there to do a turnaround, grow the company, and get it sold. And in that time period, a couple of things happened. One, I learned that I not only liked helping brands grow, but I really liked helping people through transitions. So I was helping this founder, you know, transition into her retirement. She needed to sell this business. And interestingly enough, helping someone sell a business is not all that different than some, helping someone invest in or buy a business. Right. Um, so in that, I, I also learned that I didn't really want to operate a whole lot any, for a while, at least. <laughs> I had some pretty <laughs> and I had been introduced to Peter Barkman, who's one of the managing partners at, at Brand One, uh, several years prior through a mentor of mine uh, and, and a guy who was the chairman of my fashion business. And they were, you know, the times was years ago at this point, just starting brand one. And at first I was like, franchising, I don't like to follow rules. I'm never going to be good at franchising. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I took some time off after the sale of that company. He's like, you know, you're not doing anything. Why don't you come to a, a canine resorts discovery day? And I did. And I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like just fun. Um, so it's pretty cool what I get to do every day, which is, is help people fulfill what is often a lifelong dream of becoming an entrepreneur. Now you've been doing this for four years now, a little over four yeah. years. And obviously you have an entrepreneur background, understand business ownership, mm -hmm. what it takes. Um, so you've been on the independent side and now you're seeing the franchise side. Yep. And for those 
people that are listening to this or considering, uh, do I invest in a franchise? Do I look at an independent? Do you have any kind of those words of wisdom uh, that you can pass on? I mean, there. look, both options are wonderful. Business ownership, whether you're a franchise owner, a multi-brand, multi-unit, or just a single owner, or owned a couple of independent businesses, either one works. And it really depends on the MO of each person. But do you see anything that kind of pushes people or should help people push one way or another? I mean, any, any guidance you can share? That's a really great question because, you know, I have been in the shoes of every person who's exploring business ownership, you know, and, and none of the businesses that I started were franchises. So I, I think there's two key things, two key answers to your question. One is I didn't know what I didn't know in those businesses. Right. I made a lot of mistakes on my own dime. As an entrepreneur, you need to be prepared to stand in your own way a little bit, right? Wherever you go, there you are. So your stuff comes up, right? And, and so sometimes um, starting from scratch can mean a lot of expensive learning curves. So I love franchising because you get an operating model with a predictable amount of success and a lot of support to help you be successful. And two, a lot of folks are doing this not just to get an ongoing paycheck, but to have transferable wealth. Right. And franchise businesses are more likely to transact and at a higher level because not only is there the industry range of multiple that dictates valuation, but it's the intangible assets, right? It's the brand value, the, you know, whether someone can just step in and take over the business. So there's not owner reliance or key man reliance. And in franchising, you get that built in already. So those are really the two things that I, I think are you know, especially for folks who are nervous about, you know, they've got families, things, you know, people to support. There's a much clearer path to success in a business model and that transferable wealth through franchising than doing it on your own. No, you're absolutely right. I think the best way somebody put it to me uh, a few months ago, I was talking to somebody that uh, the best way to, to look at a franchise when you're starting a franchise or investing in a franchise business is that you're starting on third base. Yeah. You know, to use a baseball analogy, as an independent, you're just getting up to bat unless you're buying an existing business, a resale uh, and, and have some experience in that industry. But, you know, one last question on, the, on, on franchising versus independent. One of the common questions I get is I want to go into a franchise, but I don't like the idea of paying royalties. And I always address my clients and say, well, do you think you're not paying royalties if you own an independent business? And it really kind of makes people stop in their tracks and you can kind of hear the, the wheels turning in the back of their head as they try to figure it out. What's your answer or how do you look at or try to explain to some of the people, the people that you talk to day in and day out about the royalty stream? I mean, obviously, I tell people it's a it's the income source for the brand. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, how do you explain that? Paying royalties, not paying royalties. Yeah, it's funny how people get, get really tied up in that. And, you know, being a business owner can be really lonely. You know, when you have challenges, when it's stressful, and, you know, the classic saying in franchising is you're in business for yourself, not by yourself, right? So when you have a challenge, there's an entire team of people to call. The other thing is, if you invest in a good brand, and this should be part of anyone's due diligence, is what is the brand doing to reinvest and refine and finesse and grow the system? Because a good franchise system is going to keep increasing the support, the services, right. making the operating model better, whereas you as a small business owner wouldn't have the capital to do that individually. And you get 
think about it like you as an individual business owner in you know here in, in my neighborhood in California does not have the same power as a business that's nationwide. Right. 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 No, that 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 that's a true. Let's talk about uh, a couple of the brands that you're working with at Brand One because um, you, you're dealing with two brands that really kind of fit fit into a need, not a want. Mm-hmm. but also have that technology Amazon proof type model and also are recession resistant in some ways, in a lot of ways, I shouldn't say that. And the first one is uh, SHS, which is seniors helping seniors. And another favorite of mine, which I love the industry, the pet industry is canine resorts yep. and uh, two fascinating in, uh, uh, brands, uh, uh, brands that really uh, started out fast out of the gate and now have brought a lot of national attention, national and expansion. Let's start out with Seniors Helping Seniors. Tell us a little bit about that model and the type of franchisee or person that you're seeing that's most interested or fits well and that investor characteristic that you're seeing. Yeah. Characteristics, I should say. Yep. Um, So Seniors Helping Seniors has a really special place in my heart. And and what we do is an array of non-medical in-home care for seniors. What's really unique about this business is its labor model, right? And and it's who and how we hire. So there's a lot of competition in the in-home care space. And most of these folks are hiring young people who are still figuring out what they want to do and who they want to be in the world. They also send whoever's available on a shift. And that can be unnerving for seniors in need because half of people over 80 are experiencing cognitive decline. And at Seniors Helping Seniors, they hire mature adults. They understand the aging process. They match them one-to-one with clients and foster a relationship that really enables people to provide a higher quality of care through their business. And so it, you know, that relationship is a lifeline for the seniors in need, mm-hmm. right? It improves mental health, overall well-being, it's continuity of care. But the real other amazing thing from a business model perspective is that 10,000 people turn 65 every day. A lot of people can't afford to retire. They exit the workforce in their 50s. And the most common job available to them is being a Walmart greeter. And with seniors helping seniors, they get a job that meets all of their needs and doing something meaningful, staying active, being involved in their communities and making a little extra money. And as a result, it, it's just a really a, a very sweet. It, we, we, we like to say you get to do well for yourself and do good in your community. So it's, it's a pretty amazing company. Also, the founder uh, was the right hand of Mother Teresa in India for 15 years. Wow. The United States. That's so, interesting. I mean, it's got this incredible, <laughs> incredible origin story, you know. Um, but for the folks who I, your question also was, um, who are the folks that are the right fit for this brand? Right, I think. And when people say have this desire to do something meaningful and do something, you know, a lot of folks are leaving corporate America. They felt like they weren't living their purpose. And that's by far the the common thread. So we have placed folks who are successful, who are former lawyers, former architects, HR executives, um, marketing executives, a wide range of backgrounds. But the common thread is that they are relationship builders and they want to do something good in their communities. That's interesting. Now, the other brand that, uh, well, one other question on SHS, uh, Seniors Helping Seniors, is is that the services that HS, HA, Seniors Helping Seniors provides, a little tongue twister there, um, a lot of people, when they think of senior type businesses, they automatically think medical. 
You yeah. know, I have to give medications. I have to give shots. I have to make sure that people are taking their uh, prescriptions. I, I'm sure there's a little bit of that, or maybe there's some of that. But what other services are is seniors helping seniors providing within the community? Yeah, so that's, it's a great question, and you're right. There is a lot of, of misnomer around that. So what we don't do is skilled nursing, hospice, dispensing medication, anything that would require highly skilled employees or be high risk. But outside of that, there's not much we can't provide for seniors. So daily living support, like preparing meals, doing a little light housekeeping, taking people shopping to the doctor's office and the like, personal care. So maybe they just had a hip replacement. They need a little help showering, dressing to get back on their feet or specialty care. So more disease specific and comprehensive, like Alzheimer, dementia, Parkinson's, MS, 24 hour care and telecare check-in and the like. That's interesting. Now, the other brand that you are uh, working on is a brand called K9 Resorts. Yeah. Um, the pet industry continues to amaze me. It's, it's growth, um, you know, especially now coming out of the pandemic, uh, you know, people when they were home and they're still home went out, not only got one pet, two pets, three pets. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we get back into that normal uh, routine now, people are finding that, wow, I have two or three pets and I've got to go away from work. I've got to get somebody to take care of my pet. Um, Canine Resorts offers that, what I consider that upper middle class type of environment for pets, uh, yep. primarily dogs, I imagine, correct? Because canine, that would be mm -hmm. dogs. So um, talk to me a little bit about what canine is doing and how they're putting themselves within the pet industry, yeah. placing themselves in the pet industry. Yeah, canine is, is such an exceptional brand. Um, it, you know, So they do two things very, very well, luxury dog daycare and luxury overnight care. So one, and, and the whole philosophy is that they want it to be the happiest, healthiest, safest place for dogs, right? So when you walk into a canine, if there was not a canine sign on the wall, you'd be wondering where your massage appointment was, right? So for right. a handful of dollars, a cocktail more a day on vacation, your dog can get a luxury experience. And the peace of mind that that brings to people, right? Because kids, elderly parents, and pets, that's what makes it recession, uh, recession resistant, right? That's what people spend money on, right. no matter what. Because really pets are now members of our family, right? 30 years ago, maybe not so much, but today they're members of our family. And so we don't do anything that dogs don't like. We want happy wagging tails coming in, happy wagging tails leaving, but it also keeps the operating model really simple. So we're maximizing our real estate square footage for the highest margin revenue streams. And, you know, this is a whole different pun intended animal. Yep. <laughs> seniors, right? It's Absolutely right. Different investment. Whereas seniors helping seniors is, you know, 94 to 144,000, a full scale uh, luxury canine resorts is, is between 1.85 and 2.5 million. Um, but the return is pretty significant too, with an average EBITDA of over half a million every year. Now, one of the things that I've always, uh, we're talking to Sarah Van Acken, who is uh, vice president of development for Brand One, uh, which is an FSO franchise sales organization, the leader in the FSO space. I think, and uh, represent, she represents seniors helping seniors and canine resorts. Um, one of the aspects of the pet industry, and, and one of the things that I like to kind of guide my clients is, is that I would think that a large percentage of the people that are in a business like canine resorts 
have a passion for pets. And I don't like to think, I don't like to use the word passion in a business model type sense because I think it's a little misleading. But in this case, people who are investing in a canine, is it, is it safe to say they have a passion for pets? I mean, they're, they, they are dog or animal lovers. This isn't one of those, hey, I can invest in it, but I really don't like dogs. I mean, do you find that? Yeah, I feel like there is a small sliver of, of folks who, if they really don't like dogs at all, probably aren't the good fit. I think one of the things about canine resorts, yes, you have to at least like dogs or you have to understand the market, right? right? Um, Canine is also a manager run from day one investment level business. So, you know, we have folks who are coming in from other systems. I would say the majority of them have a dog and they get the, or like they get the emotional connection or what the dog does in, in someone's life. Um, so I can't say that we have any folks who hate dogs. Right, right, places. right. But I think that there's rain, whether you have to be ultra passionate about it or you just really get the market, you know, there's, there's some, there's a range in there, I think. Right. That's interesting. No, that, that that's true. Um, Sarah, um, any other information you'd like to share about seniors helping seniors or canine resorts, anything about franchising you could share with our audience today about franchising, maybe somebody who's, you know, contemplating, do I pick up the phone and start this uh, road trip, learning more about opportunities, business ownership, I mean, I always try to tell my clients, look, you, the first step is really to put yourself in a position to want to know and want to learn. Yep. At the end of the road trip, if you don't want to, you know, take the trip again or invest, that's okay. But until you put yourself in a position knowing and educating yourself, you're always going to be guessing whether you should or you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, you know, as you step in, it's just about really doing you know, that, that inner, inner check, right. Um, yep. in, do I have the capacity to do this? What is the drive? You know, it's, we like to say, you know, at the end of, of every discovery day, um, or decision day for almost any of our brands, we really ask, do your head and your heart align? And there probably isn't a way to know that for sure, unless you do the exploration. I mean, I think there's probably key things in people's lives, right? Like how much, capacity do they have? Like, what are the other kind of factors in their life and, and about whether this is the right time? But, you know, if, if you're really drawn to, if it keeps coming up, you know, and a lot of people, I know that the job market hasn't softened as much as maybe, you know, some folks expected it to, but if you're in corporate America, there is always that potential at any moment that, you know, the rug could be pulled out from under you and right. it's different in your own business. And it, you know, it's scary. And it should be, it is. but if it, you, if somebody wasn't scared, I'd be a little bit worried, right? It, it is. It, and it's, you know, thank you for saying that. I a hundred percent. Yeah. Fear and anxiety is good yeah. to a sense because it, it manufactures questions. Yes. Investigation. You're absolutely you right. And use that effectively and also work with it. So it doesn't consume you. Right. Cause with some folks that might consume them, you know, it, it's a, it's a good support along the way. You know, I tell people, a lot of my clients in this discussion about business ownership and, you know, sometimes I get clients that are calling me that are looking for, quote, the easy way out. Uh, and, and, and I say there's, there's no easy way out in anything that's good. Anything that's good and that can potentially uh, provide wealth and build the legacy, whether you're an entrepreneur on your own, invest in a franchise or staying within corporate America, all of that has risk to it. 
I mean, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. So it's, you know, so it, it, I tell people, where, where do you want to draw your risk from? Do you want to control your own risk and rewards? Or do you want to have somebody else do that for you and put your hands in their fate and saying, after 25 years, that knock on the door in an envelope and saying, yeah. you know, thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, because when you think about the risk, it's not just the, the ongoing paycheck, right? It's the what what type of investments, like how big is your 401k growing versus what kind of wealth can you drive from a business? Exactly. Yep. And that's exactly. also important in industry, right? When you look at the industry um, and market, I think, you know, there's, there's also fads out there that may not have the longevity. So identifying those things and, and, you know, lining them up to, you know, your core values as a, as a candidate are also important. Well, I, I think it's also important and you, and, 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 and maybe when we have you back again, we can touch base, but I'm a believer in trying to coach my clients to invest in businesses that please the masses. I mean, let's face it. I mean, right. I mean, that's ideally what you're saying, because, you know, what people say to me, well, there's too many hamburger places. There's too many dog places or pet places. My response is, is that, but yes, there are, but that's because it pleases the masses. And you just have to be a little bit better than everybody else to draw your clientele in and, and, and be a successful business. That's right. And, and, and what you're saying is, is picking a brand with the right market position, right? We look for three Correct. things. One, we look for a market and, and industry that's been growing, showing signs of growth, and the brand has a great market position. We look for great unique economics that are easily replicable, meaning the, the franchisor gives enough support. And we look at the team. Do they have the experience, the vision? Are they growing the team? And most importantly, are these people that you like, trust, and respect? Right, right. Well, Sarah, I, I want to thank you. We're out of time, and uh, I, I hope uh, you know uh, down the road we can get you back and get an update on seniors helping seniors and K nine resorts. Uh, we've been talking to Sarah Van Aken, who is uh, vice president of franchise development for Brand One, again representing seniors helping seniors and K nine resorts. I am your host, Scotty Milas of All Things Considered Franchising and founder and owner of scottmilasfranchisecoach.com, a consulting organization that works with organizations like Brand One and people like Sarah, introducing opportunities to people, uh, that opportunities they may fit what they're looking for. Sarah, what's the best way for someone to get a hold of, uh, to get a hold of you if they have any additional questions or maybe more on Brand One? What, what would be the best way for somebody to reach out? Is it LinkedIn? Do you want somebody to just go to the Brand One website? What would be the best way to do that? Or they can just email me, Sarah Van Aken at brand1fd.com. Okay, great, great. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for uh, being a guest. And again, I look forward to having you back. This is Scotty Milas signing off on another episode of All Things Considered Franchising. Until next time.